BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to the Blonde Files podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Laurie, and I'm here to talk all things wellness. From how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and everything in between, no topic is off limits. I know there's so much information out there, so I'm bringing on expert guests and sharing my own experiences to help you sift through all the wellness stuff without the BS. Enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. I know I say this all the time, and I know that I say that I say this all the time, but this was definitely one of my favorite episodes that I have recorded in a while. I just found my guest to be so inspiring and so knowledgeable on a topic that I really knew nothing about. And I just think it's absolutely incredible what she's doing and what she has built in a pretty short period of time and how she really sticks to her guns on everything. She does not compromise when it comes to having the absolute safest, cleanest, best product that there is out on the market. So of course, I am talking to Katarina Schneider. She is the founder and CEO of Ritual. I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with Ritual. It's a health company that's setting a new standard in the supplement industry through traceable science and traceable sourcing. And we get into why this is so important in this episode, and it's truly fascinating. But you guys probably know I've been taking Ritual's multivitamin for years. I also love their protein powder. I have been using the Hyacera, which is their ingestible skincare, which we talk about in this episode too. And I have to say things are pretty plump and pretty juicy. So going to continue that. They also have an incredible pro and postbiotic, a symbiotic all in one. And they have a new sleep product out as well, which we talk about in the episode too. So Basically, her story is really interesting because she originally was a venture partner. She managed a portfolio of over 70 tech investments, including Spotify, Uber, Dropbox, and Warby Parker. She previously served as head of global innovation at Atom Factory and as global lead of digital innovation at Universal Music Group. And then she got pregnant. And when she was pregnant... She couldn't find a prenatal that she could trust. She talks about this in the episode. She couldn't understand why the supplements that were being recommended to her contained ingredients that the doctors were also telling her to avoid, like dyes and other things. So it just didn't make sense to her. And she decided to take matters into her own hands. She founded the company on the belief that better health begins with better ingredients. And she has since pioneered a new standard of high quality products that are backed by science and the first visible supply chain of its kind. So now Ritual is one of the most trusted brands in the category and one of the few supplement companies to be a certified B corporation. Ritual has one of the leading prenatal vitamins in the U.S. and their multi for women 18 plus is a 
really good case study of how they're disrupting the category. So it has USP, which less than 1% of companies have. They have a peer-reviewed and published clinical study. Like I said, fully traceable ingredients. They have a patent on the nutrient delivery technology. So really thoughtful, really meticulously designed and Like I said, they also have a great traceable vegan protein powder. We talk in the episode about how many protein powders and supplements in general have heavy metals. They have their Symbiotic. They have the Hyacera. And then their newest product, the Sleep Bio Series Melatonin. The information that she dropped on melatonin was also truly shocking. So that's the rundown of the episode. We talk about her trajectory, including a little bit about how her childhood informed what she does now and how just the difficulty in finding a trustworthy supplement led her to creating what is now a nine-figure business. Yes, nine figures, all while maintaining honesty, transparency, and integrity. She talks about where ingredients actually come from, like sheep's wool and hooves and ground up fish. She also talks about what's in the capsules of our supplements, which I had never thought about. And so much more. This is a really illuminating conversation. It's also really fun. And I think you guys will walk away with a healthy dose of skepticism when it comes to what you put in your body every day. I definitely did. And I was definitely inspired. Also, listeners can visit ritual.com and you can use the code 30blonde for 30% off your first month with Ritual. So this is very generous of them. Again, go to ritual.com, R-I-T-U-A-L. Use the code 30blonde for 30% off your first month. So please enjoy. Katarina Schneider. Welcome. <laughs> nice to be on. I, I'm so excited to be on. I, as I said, I've followed you for a really long time and I'm just, I don't know, I'm a huge fan. I, I love how vulnerable you've been around your wellness journey and also just how curious you are about health. So I'm excited to have a conversation. Thank you. Yes. I mean, likewise, I feel like I have been taking Ritual for years, like even before I had the podcast, I think we worked together like years ago, maybe 2018, I want to say. And I'm just also such a fan of you and the company and how intentional and meticulous you are with everything, which we're going to get into today. But you have a really fascinating backstory as well that I think is really relevant. So maybe you can tell everybody like where you're from. And kind of what your childhood was like, because that informed a lot of what you do today. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes I start with my pregnancy journey because it had such a big impact on starting the company. But I think for for today, I'd love to go kind of all the way back mm-hmm. and tell you a little bit about the story of just kind of my life and the impact it had on how I think about the world, how I think about health and, you know, why I started Ritual. And for me, I was I was born in Ukraine and my family and I were refugees. Everyone knows where Ukraine is now, <laughs> which is mm-hmm. not a good thing. Yeah. Uh, but you know, growing up, no one knew knew what that was. And I was really young and we moved from Ukraine to a welfare hotel in Brooklyn and really moved to the US with $50 and a suitcase. And so I really experienced poverty and the American dream story really early on. My dad eventually became an entrepreneur and followed his passions and started a company. And my mom went against the grain. And instead of becoming an esthetician, which was she was kind of groomed to do in, in our culture and from our family, she decided to get her MBA and work on Wall Street and really also follow her passions. And so had these kind of humble beginnings, but but also just so inspired by my family and my parents. And I think that's where like my drive and hustle and grit kind of came from. And at the same time, my family had always been really deeply passionate about health and wellness since a young age. You know, we were always told, oh, don't, you know, don't take, (laughs) don't take Tylenol. Don't do this. Here's this, here's this herb or this alternative 
you know, alternative treatment for something. And, you know, when I watched, I don't know if you've ever seen the big fat, my big fat Greek wedding. Yes. When they put like Windex on everything. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> that's literally, literally my life. Uh, and so growing up, we had a Norman Walker juicer and, and and made pressed juices when we were really young to following Ayurveda. And a lot of, and I think the wellness trends that are in vogue right now are things that I, I experienced really early on. And so it really shaped me how I think about health and wellness. And I would say the other thing that had a really profound impact on my life was my mom getting cancer. And so we here we are really deeply focused on health. My parents are the ultimate label readers. You know, they're they're checking our water heavy metal levels like every every week they check my levels here in LA. But my mom got cancer and it really also impacted how I thought about health and I went on, I went down even a further rabbit hole. I was 18, 19, doing a blood type diet, working with alternative healers, even though I had nothing wrong with me. I just mm-hmm. kind of followed her down this path and and ultimately she got better. But it just shows how kind of exposed to like health and wellness I was early on. Mm-hmm. And and then I got pregnant. And and I would say even before then I started working with entrepreneurs. I had so many different careers from investment banking and I worked on on Wall Street at Lehman Brothers was part of the biggest bank failure in history. I ended up working for the CEO of Universal Music and being his right hand and bringing Spotify to the US. And then I ended up running an investment fund in LA, investing and running a fund with companies like Spotify, Uber, Dropbox, where we parkered, meeting these incredible founders. And I think I always knew that I was going to start something. I just, A, didn't know what it was going to be. And B, I always doubted myself and I never thought I was good enough. I was smart enough. I was charismatic enough or confident enough to be somebody who was going to start something or really change the world. But I knew that it was it was kind of built into my DNA. Mm -hmm. Going back a little bit to your upbringing and this emphasis on health and like functional health, is that a cultural thing? A little bit, or is that just something that your parents and your mom in particular were really interested in? It's really a combination. I think culturally, I think growing up in in poverty, you kind of turn to things that are they're less expensive, that don't rely on the healthcare mm-hmm. system, and there is culturally at the same time, I think a deeper emphasis on preventative health mm-hmm. that that we were. With. At the same time, the level of obsession around toxic chemicals mm-hmm. and food quality systems and food preparation is kind of growing up on a whole other level. Mm-hmm. And anyone that meets my family is like, oh, okay, I understand where this comes from. But at the same time, my parents never took vitamins and, and supplements growing mm-hmm. up. We weren't, we were always told, you know, you can get everything you need from your food why would you take a multivitamin? And Mm -hmm. so that was something that was radically different. How did they make that work? Because I don't know if it's a misconception, but so many people think that they can't live a healthy lifestyle and they can't eat healthy on a low budget. I think that there's this idea and it's and there is a lot of truth to it that really healthy food, organic food, stuff like that is expensive and out of reach for people who are living with really low income and wages and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we grew up on food stamps. My grandparents are still on food stamps. But I think it's a combination of accessibility, like food access Mm -hmm. and education and awareness that I think plays a big role. And for us, like one of our staple meals and still is, is my mom is actually now a macrobiotic chef, is rice and beans. Mm. And Rice and beans have been a staple food for so many different cultures and really an inexpensive food that is in many ways like a complete fiber Mm -hmm. and protein diet that is relatively inexpensive. And when you look at the blue zones and some of these countries where people have lived for have populations that have lived for over 100 years and the centurions, those are some of their staples and they're relatively inexpensive. Mm -hmm. But I, I do think it's a combination of preparation, time, food access, and all these things that it is an interesting 
thing because people do think that you have to have a lot of money to to eat healthy. And I think there are ways to access healthier foods. Of course, it requires more time. That, that, that's the thing I don't think everyone has. Not everyone has yeah. time to soak their, you know, they're working multiple jobs trying to provide for their families. Some of these single mothers, like they don't, they might not have time to, to soak their beans mm-hmm. overnight or, or prepare the wait for the, you know, the rice to boil for an hour or whatnot. And sometimes mm-hmm. it is kind of just survival. Mm-hmm. I think if you do have the time and access, like some of the most, even when we do have this amazing access and privilege, eating some of the more basic foods have a lot of nutrients and, and we kind of need to go back to the basics in some ways because this wellness wellness thing has exploded and I don't even yes. know if it's really good for us. Well, even with rice, rice is a staple, like you said, in so many cultures. And if you look at a lot of Mediterranean diets, European diets, they're heavy in things like cheese and pasta and bread. And obviously the quality can be different between the United States and places like Europe and Asia. But we have this like fear of those foods here. And I think it's a little bit of like a privileged fear, like people who have access to everything can be afraid of grains, (laughs) (laughs) grains, you know. So it is just kind of interesting how like across cultures, different things are more accepted, I think, than others. And we've just overcomplicated things now. We have this race that's not real right. You know, it's Mm -hmm. it's just kind of evolved and taken a funky turn. Mm -hmm. But anyways, (laughs) (laughs) I could talk about that for a long time. So you mentioned that when you were working in like investments and you felt like you weren't smart enough, you weren't charismatic enough and you knew that you wanted to do something. How did you get over that? I almost was forced to get out of my head when I got pregnant. And part of that was because I couldn't stop thinking about the problem that I was solving in the world and the impact that I was going to have. And the other part was just being four months pregnant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And part of my analytical brain was slightly shut off. And I think I'm such an analytical person that overthinks everything. That was this moment in time where I was more creative than ever. I had this, you know, passion and problem that I saw in the world. And I I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I knew that no one else was thinking about it. And I was uniquely positioned to solve it. And Mm -hmm. so here I was four months pregnant. I couldn't find a prenatal vitamin that I trusted. The prenatals out there had some of them had high heavy metals, had artificial colorants, or some were lacking in key nutrients that all of us needed, like choline. Mm -hmm. And I knew that we deserved better. And I knew that I was the one to change that Mm -hmm. and to change the industry from the ground up and create something because everyone deserved to know what they were putting in their bodies and why. Mm -hmm. And that gave me a new sense, I think, of confidence. Whereas before I had ideas and, oh, I'm not good enough to do this. Or, you know, I don't speak as well as some of the men that I'm surrounded with. Or, you know, I don't have the right experience. Maybe I need an MBA. Maybe I need a co-founder. And here I was pregnant about to have a family, putting everything on the line. But the idea was so powerful. Hmm. And something was happening to me, like biologically, where I was a little bit more creative and less analytical. The you know, the voices in my head shut down. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. And I've had this conversation with other people on my podcast, but, you know, I don't want to have kids, but I am envious of this shift that everyone says happens when they do have kids, because suddenly it's not just you. So you're way less concerned with your little hangups, you know, and your insecurities and everything, because your focus is on something else outside of yourself. And that seems like such a freeing thing to me. Yeah. Well, you have a dog. So (laughs) I would say it's not even harder than having kids, it sounds. Mm. But it is it is freeing. It also is super empowering in a way because I was so focused on myself and even the impact that I want to have on the world is like so much bigger than myself Mm -hmm. in our generation that it changes how I think about what I want to do and and how I want to spend my time every Mm -hmm. single day, the products that I want to launch, the quality of those products, the impact to the environment, because we're facing one of our 
biggest health threats of our time, which is climate change. Mm -hmm. And I want to see that that shift for not just for myself, but for my girls. So Mm -hmm. it is it is like a powerful shift. And I also think pregnancies is a powerful shift. But I think a lot of different hormonal shifts are also quite powerful as well. Oh, yeah. When I'm in my follicular phase, <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> Whenever my estrogen is high, it's like I'm a different person. Mm-hmm. I was talking to my friend about this yesterday and I was like, it's a little bit crazy, like how different you can be just throughout the month. So I would imagine with pregnancy and all of those factors, the hormones and also, you know, bringing new lives into the world and thinking about their futures and all of that would just be such a powerful thing, like you said. So when you were looking for prenatal vitamins, was it just your previous knowledge of ingredients and things to look for that kind of informed you when you were looking for those things? Like, how did you know that there was nothing out there on the market that was suitable? So I had a baseline level of knowledge when I started. And then as I started talking to scientists or doctors and experts, what was and wasn't suitable kept (laughs) the bar kept going up and up and up. So when I started, it was about it being quote unquote clean, right? And was like, well, I'm vegan. And here is this prenatal at the doctor's office that has tuna oil. And and you're telling me I should avoid tuna. Why are you putting tuna oil in a prenatal that I'm taking at a really high dose every single day. Hmm. You know, why does this prenatal have lake blue coloring or artificial colorants when I'm supposed to avoid that in the foods that I'm eating? And what is this gelatin? Like at the time it was like I deeply cared about where my food ingredients were coming from. Why was that level of care and thoughtfulness not being applied to something we were putting in our bodies every single day? And then I was reading at the time you know, there were articles coming out from the New York Times when they were testing products on the shelf. And they, four to five times, they didn't contain what they said they had. And I was like, this is crazy. And then I looked up, you know, I was Googling so much and like Googling folic acid and went down the rabbit hole and saw that over a third of people have a genetic variation where they can't even properly utilize folic acid. And there was a methylated form that bypassed the gen- genetic variation. A lot of companies weren't using that form. And I started asking a lot of questions. And then our first hire was one of the leading scientists in the field, and he'd been in the field for decades. And so, like, I was like a kid kid in a candy store. I was like, ooh, tell me where the skeletons are buried. Like, tell me all the stuff. And that's where the approach to ingredient traceability came about for me. I learned so much from him because he'd been in the industry for so long. And he was like, I've been trying to use D3 from lichen instead of sheep's wool. I've been trying to use K2MK7 instead of K1 from Norway. And I've been trying to use omega-3 from microalgae instead of fish like for so many years. But nobody wants to use those ingredients because they're so expensive and they're less stable. And so there's a lot more investment involved. So that was like a huge unlock for me. I'm like, wow, we have ingredient traceability or transparency in so many other industries why do we not have this in an industry where people are putting something for their health in their bodies every single day? We deserve to know where these things come from and why. Mm -hmm. And that was like a a light bulb moment. And then I would say there was just like so many other layers that that I think just keep adding up where I'm like, wow, this isn't good enough. This isn't good enough. Like we need to do more. One of those is around like, how do you actually know if your products are working? And that's around efficacy. Like this term clinically studied is not a well-defined term in the industry. There's no regulation around it. So companies are using the term clinically studied, but what does that mean? And what does it mean to consumers? What does it mean to the company? We need a standardized system for that. And at Ritual, we invested, and this kind of led to that, was like we invested in a human clinical study on our product with a major university. And not only that, but then we peer reviewed and published it. And when you peer review and publish it, it, it's, that means there's more consensus amongst the scientific community. You can run a clinical study, but do other scientists Mm -hmm. think it's valid or not? And so that was, we conducted a human clinical study on our first product. And we have a commitment to have our own human clinicals on every single one of our products by 2030, because you need to know these things are working, right? Mm -hmm. And so 
that was the other layer. Is like, is this safe and is it effective? Mm-hmm. And we can get like I can literally go on and on. <laughs> I feel like I'm talking so much, but the the other thing was just like third party testing. I didn't realize that a lot of products on the market aren't being third party tested. Mm-hmm. So you have these products that are being made. And maybe they're being tested by the manufacturer, but you don't have a third-party lab testing something for safety. So not only is it does the product have what it says it has, but are the levels of heavy metals high? Are there microbes and other things? And as a company, we've had to reject like hundreds of thousands of products because they don't meet our heavy metal standards. The FDA does not set health protective measures when it comes to heavy metals. In California, you'll see the Prop 65 warning on things. You know, as a pregnant person, seeing that, it was like scary. You know, it's like, this mm-hmm. will cause brain defect. You're like, whoa, I'm not touching that. Mm-hmm. But it, all it is is in California, it's a limit above 0.5 parts per million and only in California, right? But it's not saying, what's the level of hemi metals that's in all these products? Mm-hmm. And we just absolutely don't know and there are no limits and you're consuming this and it's accumulating over time and I would say like the biggest area that that matters or not that it matters across all of supplements but a big area where we're seeing a lot of heavy metals is the plant-based protein industry people are saying hey I'm going to be healthy I'm going to have this plant-based protein in my smoothie instead of whey right Mm -hmm. but when you look at things that are grown overseas and a lot of botanicals and plants they're and in their concentrated form, they have extremely high heavy metals. And that's something you're consuming over time. And that's the reason why we decided to actually list our heavy metal results on our site, mm-hmm. which is a bold move because they're like, are people going to be like, whoa, this has lead, arsenic, and mercury in it? Yeah, but how much? Right. Okay. There's so much there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just like laid it out. On no, you. no, no. I mean, I'm just listening and I'm thinking it's so fascinating that not many people seem to question what's in their supplements. And I feel like there's almost this inherent trust that, oh, this supplement company wants me to feel better. So I trust whatever the product is. I think maybe now people are getting a little bit more savvy thanks to people like yourself, you know, exposing this. But you know, there's so much focus on like the pharmaceutical industry. It's kind of shocking what supplement companies can get away with. And you mentioned like, sounds like it's kind of a way to cut costs and increase production maybe. Can you tell us a little more? You mentioned like where a lot of vitamin D3 comes from. Like what are some other (laughs) ingredients that might be shocking? What other skeletons did you discover essentially? So one thing that people always get wrong and I'll have a lot of interviews and like media and stuff and they're like, the supplement industry is not regulated. That's not true. The industry is regulated. Mm -hmm. So there are regulations or rules that people need to follow. But is someone going and testing every single product on the shelf? Absolutely not. And I think that's what, I'm passionate about and and our company is interested in is like, how do you push Congress to give the FDA more oversight over this industry? It's what they want. Mm -hmm. And and how do we how do we give them even more oversight? So there is kind of more of a standardization and consumers don't have to be their own advocates for safety and efficacy. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing like safety and efficacy. The other thing is like, is this gross? Because that's like not safe. You know, sometimes that has not. That's just like, this is gross and I don't want to put this in my body. And I just want to be honest. Like Mm -hmm. there's probably little like health risks there, especially in low quantities. Mm -hmm. But like that's disgusting. Like why would I want to ingest sheep's wool every day? so strange to me. Yeah. Yeah. Or hooves or hides, you know, bones like. And those can be in the capsule as well, right? Exactly. And I think it's. People are fine consuming that every day. But I think as, as we were talking earlier, like in this kind of new wellness world, there's so much emphasis even on the foods. And if people are eating, you know, animal-based diets, they're consuming grass-fed beef or mm-hmm. pasture-aged chicken. Why are they not thinking about that when it comes to their supplements? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, that's weird. You're doing something for your health. But do you know what the gelatin is made of? In those capsules. It's like a blissful <laughs> ignorance. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It's kind of like you said, is, is we think because supplement companies inherently are trying to do something good for people's health, 
just like doctors are mm-hmm. in a different way, we just have to assume that, you know, all the boxes are checked off. And I think mm-hmm. that that's not the case. You know, even, a, you know, as a mom of three, sometimes our pediatrician or even dentists will recommend things that my kids take. And I'm, I'm not going to take, I'm not going to use that blindly. I'm going to go check the ingredients. I'm going to go check the side effects. Everything has a cause and effect. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I guess let's talk about the gross stuff <laughs> that might not have much to do with um, safety and efficacy, but it's just gross. So mm-hmm. vitamin D3 most often than not comes from sheep's wool. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want that in my body. And so we actually source our D3 from wild harvested lichen. Mm-hmm. Omega-3s more often than not come from grinding millions of fish. <laughs> And raised fish, right? Depends. Usually, I mean, I think now that it's mostly wild. I would say the farm raised fish on the gelatin capsules for sure. Mm -hmm. A lot of wild fish are used in omega 3 fish oil. But I think the thing there, and I saw a recent study, it was like when you concentrate something, what is the heavy heavy metal level when it when it comes to the fish oil that you're consuming? No one's asking that. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at omega 3s, the fish are actually eating algae. And so they're getting their omega-3s from the algae. So we're like, let's cut out the middleman. Yeah. <laughs> Middle <laughs> Bye-bye fish. fish. <laughs> let's, let's consume what they're eating, which mm-hmm. is microalgae. And yeah, it's like harder to get and sometimes more expensive. But it's it's less disgusting, honestly. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of times cleaner and making sure that it's water extracted and not hexane and, or other other ways. So so that's gross. Uh, the other thing is, I think what's gross is the encapsulation. So yeah. we focus, sometimes we focus on the ingredients, sometimes we don't. But what we don't focus on is how those things are encapsulated. And when I was starting the company, I went on a little bit of a road trip to these manufacturers and soft gel manufacturers and capsule manufacturers. And it was like the- Is that wa- a huge business? Huge business. It's like one of those little things that you wouldn't necessarily think of. Yeah, it's not what you would think of. There's a lot in California and they're so different. And I would say like the company we ultimately went with is they were owned by Pfizer as like pharmaceutical grade and and just a whole other level, I would say, than what I saw. And mm-hmm. when you go, when I went to these places, there was, there was like, I pull up and there's like a car outside, parked outside. And it said like soft gel one on the license. <laughs> <laughs> and I like, and it oh smells God. like you go in there and it smells like like dead fish because they're making so many omega three products, right? Mm-hmm. And it was just gross. And they, I was sitting in a room and I, I was still early in the industry, and I asked like, okay, well, obviously I wanted to create a plant based pro- product because I'm a plant based eater, but I, ha- I was still curious. I'm like, oh, where's the mm-hmm. gelatin coming around? They're like hooves and hides and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay. How about the fish gelatin? And they're like, no one's asked us where the fish come from before. Let us go check with like Bob or something out back. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's tilapia from Korea. And oh. there's nothing wrong. You know, I, if that's the access to fish that you have, that's fine. I don't, mm-hmm. I personally didn't want that concentrated mm-hmm. in our products. And then they were like, okay, we have a plant-based option for you. I'm like, great. What is it? And it was carrageenan, which had a study on rodents where it caused tumors. And did we want that in concentrated forms? Of course, there was no study on humans at the time, but I didn't want to take that risk. And so we had to basically like start from the the ground up. But mm-hmm. it was it was wild because I had to be almost like piecing together these different pieces of the industry from the ingredients to how this product came together and the encapsulation to how those ingredients work together, working with scientists, we ultimately ended up patenting our encapsulation and receiving a patent, which was super exciting because it's not even what you take, but how it gets into the body that matters mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So there was just so many levels and I'm like exhausted <laughs> even just thinking about it. Uh, but it's, it was fun. It seems like such a big swing, right? Like this is your first product, your first company. And it makes sense why other supplement companies would do this 
because it probably cuts costs and they can produce more and make more of a profit. So did you just have so much faith in the product that you were ultimately going to put out that you were willing to take that swing? You know, I I think I told you in the beginning, in the beginning, before starting it, I had all these voices in my head, like, you can't do this. You're not good enough. Like a guy could probably do this better, you know, just horrible. (laughs) (laughs) And then it was like the reverse. I feel like I had somebody telling me like, don't stop, just keep going, like Mm. make it better, better, better. Mm -hmm. And I also ended up raising money when I was pregnant. And I was told by an investor, you can either start a family or a company, but you can't do both. (laughs) I was basically like, you know, F you, I'm going to do both and I'm going to do it like better than you can even imagine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now we've had over a million customers. We have a nine-figure business, like, and we've created products that I'm really proud of. The multivitamin for Women 18 Plus, which is our first product that I launched, is such a good case study of all those things coming together. We're just, like, pushing the limit nonstop, where mm-hmm. it now has a patent on the delivery technology. It has a human clinical study with a leading university that's peer-reviewed and published, And it has USP verification, which is the ultimate in third-party verification, which less than 1% of supplement companies have, (laughs) and a traceable supply chain. So it was like, I don't know. I feel really proud that it it was really hard to do all those things, but it was like that was like my first baby, and we didn't even launch the prenatal till Mm -hmm. later, Mm -hmm. which is crazy. I want to go back to something you said, nine-figure business. That's incredible. Absolutely incredible. When did you start Ritual? I started it seven years ago. Yeah. That's incredible. So obviously people wanted this and people needed this. Like there's nothing else like it, you know? So that's absolutely amazing that that swing really paid off. Yeah, definitely. We we surpassed nine figures in 21. Mm -hmm. It was crazy because I People say like how long, like how long did it take to get product market fit? And mm-hmm. and it was like pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And I would say that like if anyone's listening and wants to start a company, like just don't listen to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> so you know that's the takeaway. <laughs> yeah, that's my biggest takeaway. Just listen to yourself. But like kind of like listen to people. Just don't take it personally. If there's some interesting nuggets, I've definitely picked some up along the way. Mm-hmm. But like trust your instinct because if I asked somebody when I was starting the business. I always say like, I don't even know the exact date, but I think about my daughter's birthday and I'm like, oh, it's, that's, the, <laughs> that's the time, 2016. And I think about like asking people, hey, do you want a more expensive multivitamin that's not a gummy mm-hmm. in 2016? <laughs> Everyone would say, absolutely not. Yeah. But do you want something that you can trust and yeah. you know where the ingredients come from and why? And I'm going to show you why it's a problem if you don't, mm-hmm. that that's kind of like, that was the big, the big shift. And mm-hmm. I think if you just survey people or you try to ask them what they want, nobody actually knows what they want. And mm-hmm. the really kind of old Ford quote, if I asked people if they want a, a car, they would have just said they wanted a faster horse, mm-hmm. right? It was kind of like that. And I think gummies were like exploding and everyone yeah. wanted everything in a sugary gummy. And I'm so glad we didn't, didn't go that route. Yeah. Like you had to show people what they didn't even know that they wanted. Exactly. And needed. You've branched out into other products as well. So you have the Hyacera. How did that come to be? Yeah, the Hyacera is our skin hydration ingestible product. And it's a really interesting one. Because if you asked me like five years ago, are we going to get into the skincare space? I said Mm -hmm. absolutely not. Our scientists would are like, no way. (laughs) There's like no science in this category. But what we saw is we we do listen to our customers and our customers were like, oh, actually hydration, fine lines and wrinkles are some of our like biggest issues that we want to address in a, in a natural way. And like, how do we do that? It's how do we create something effective and also science backed because we won't put stuff in our, in our products that don't have human clinical studies on Mm -hmm. them. And so when you look at this category in the skin, industrial skincare category, we researched it for years there weren't that many ingredients, very few, I can count them in my hands, that have legitimate human clinical studies, double-blind, placebo-controlled studies. And so that's how this came about. When we look at our bodies, we have hyaluronic acid. 50% of it is found in our skin. And as we age, that goes down. 
and think people think about putting hyaluronic acid on their skin, but they don't think about ingesting it. Mm-hmm. And so we found these two two of the most clinically studied ingredients in the category. This ingredient, Hyabas, which is a lower molecular weight hyaluronic acid, which you ingest, and Ceratique, which is a oil that's grown in France that has phytoceramides and glycolipids. And it's just like this incredible product that hydrates and reduces fine lines and wrinkles over 90 days. And I would say why we created it is the root of, and it's same with Symbiotic, is we're not just you know, putting products in the out in the world, we're putting products because people deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. And our products are traceable. So you can see where the ingredients come from and why they're there. And you can also see the science. And so that was, wow, big category. People, our customers want this. How do we deliver something in a safe and effective way? Mm-hmm. You said it took years right? To yeah. come up with that. How do you find the ingredients? Is it the team of scientists that you guys work with? Or are these things that you research personally yourself? How does that formulation come to be? I mean, sometimes I'll have ideas for ingredients. I'll be like, ooh, mm-hmm. this is so interesting. And I'll send it to our scientists. We have 20 scientists in-house. A lot Amazing. of them come from academia, have PhDs. And I think I, I love having like academics on staff yeah, <laughs> because they think about things so differently than I would say other scientists where they look at the ingredients and they'll, they're really critical of the clinical studies that are there, you know, and the size of the population, the diversity of the population, how long, it, how long the statistical significance was this published in a peer reviewed journal. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the things I'll send their way. They're like, this is terrible. What are you, do you know how to read Keeping it? Keeping you humble. <laughs> do you need to even know how to read PubMed, which I'm not an expert on it, I would admit, but yeah, they're leading the charge. And I would say that same thing. So we we went into other categories as well. The other category we went into was gut health, which I know you're mm-hmm. a huge fan of gut mm-hmm. health. I am as well. And that was just an interesting category. It was our number one most requested product. Mm-hmm. Obviously, so many of us are dealing with gut health issues like gas and bloating, but it's also a new field. Like microbiome research is relatively new and there weren't that many st- strains also that were incredibly well researched. Mm-hmm. So we created a pre-pro postbiotic all in one single capsule with two of the world's most clinically studied strains. And so we spent, I think, four years developing that product. And it wasn't just researching and licensing some of the strains and the ingredients. It was like making sure that those ingredients survive hmm. and also get delivered to where they're meant to be. Mm-hmm. And I think you talked about this in some uh, previous episodes, but we ran a shine study and we show that our that our bugs go into the colon, which is the ideal place for them to thrive instead of the stomach. So it's all kind of this matrix of safety and efficacy and like real science with proof mm-hmm. that makes our products really special, I think. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a real slow grind to bring a product to market. I feel like I would get so frustrated or like impatient. I'm an impatient person. I like instant gratification. So, but I think that's amazing that you, again, like I said in the beginning, you're so intentional. You're so meticulous. And obviously it's paid off because the product speaks for itself, really. Yeah, definitely. It's frustrating, but rewarding at the end with our symbiotic product took us years. We knew it was the most requested product to date. And then within the first year, we have tens of millions of dollars in revenue in it on that product and and tens of thousands of subscribers. And Mm -hmm. it's really impacting people's lives. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what I'm proud of. You know, we we could have launched it sooner. But I think one thing that is crazy in that, especially in, in that probiotic gut health industry, is just like the CFU counts. And mm-hmm. when you look at companies that are listing their CFUs at manufacturing versus like at the end of shelf life, it took us so long to create something that was stable and says what what's actually in there that, that corresponds to the human clinical study that delivers the benefits mm. in so it's it's so complicated and and complex and it's not just about the ingredients it's not just about how they're encapsulated but it's also how what you're saying is actually there at the end of expiration mm-hmm. and that's another thing that's pretty interesting and why it takes us so long man i would love to have so many more products <laughs> our customer we have such a loyal 
mm-hmm. amazing customer base. We call them healthy skeptics because they're mm-hmm. like me. They're really questioning all their products and everything they're putting in and on their body. But but it just takes us a long time to develop something. It took us forever to develop our protein too. Mm-hmm. I hired our chief scientific officer because we had this agreement where we were going to change the protein industry the, the way that we changed the multivitamin industry, but we were mm-hmm. going to do it the right way. Mm-hmm. And it just takes a long time to do the right thing. Yes, I was going to say integrity. A lot of people skip over that for, you know, the easy money, the quick profit, whatever it is, the glory. Yeah. <laughs> you have a new product coming out too, right? For sleep. We do. Are yeah. you allowed to talk about it? Yeah, I think it'll it'll be out by the time this okay. is airing, but it's not out yet. And sleep is a category that I'm like personally really obsessed with having mm-hmm. three kids and like yeah. traveling all over the place and then yeah. trying to adjust the time zones. And then I used our product about a month ago when I was in London speaking at a conference. And I was literally the only person at this conference that wasn't jet lagged. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I can legally make this claim. So this is my personal. Anecdotal. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. regulatory yeah. approved, but <laughs> I was not jet lagged and that was pretty awesome. Amazing. And I would say that, you know, it's been interesting, like just looking at the melatonin industry in particular. Mm. What I saw and what we saw as a business was nine out of 10 melatonin gummies were mislabeled certain melatonin products had different hormones in them than you would expect. And so it's just wild, especially with products in that category. You just don't know what you're getting. People are taking really large doses of melatonin in the beginning of the night to help them just like knock them out. And Mm -hmm. then they're like waking up in the middle of the night sometimes. Mm -hmm. And yet melatonin is probably the one of the most like clinically studied ingredients for falling in and staying asleep, but it just has a lot of issues. And so that was something we were we were looking to to solve for. Mm-hmm. So like you had this ingredient that wasn't very pure, that was kind of confusing on the dosage side and didn't really leverage any technology. And yet it had a lot of studies and was helping a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So we actually submitted for a patent on this delivery technology that we just created called BioSeries. It's really cool. It's like these three mini tablets in a single capsule. And what happens is that they deliver melatonin in the way that your body would really sit over the nighttime. So you're not getting a big, massive dose over mm-hmm. at once. We also are using, I think we're the first nutraceutical company to use this Italian melatonin that was previously only used in pharmaceutical products as well. Wow. So it's it's a really special product mm-hmm. that I has helped me a lot. Yeah, that sounds incredible. I'm curious, where do you start if you're like, I want to do sleep and I want to study melatonin? It seems like because it is such a studied thing, I would imagine, like how do you even or how do your scientists even like know where to start in that whole process? It's interesting. Our scientists are also really creative, but they start with, it always starts with our customer. I think that's always the the key. And it's always been the key for me since the beginning is really try to understand our customers' needs and wants and their desires, but never using our customer to solve their problems. For, we, we have to solve the problems for them. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's really just asking a lot of questions. And we have a whole insights team that does that. And then we're like, okay, so some someone wants to be able to stay asleep. That's that's the problem. That's like the biggest problem. Mm-hmm. They, they're having issues where they're taking a product and it's helping them fall right asleep, but then they can't stay asleep. Like, how do we solve for that? And so, oh well, the technology would will help fix that. Mm-hmm. And so, how do we work and and patent and create our own t- delivery technology of the nutrient? And then we're like, what's the best form of this nutrient? And we'll search all over the world. Doesn't matter the cost of the best form of the nutrient. And then we have this code of conduct that we send to every single supplier that they have to fill out. Our products are vegan. (laughs) They're major allergen-free, non-GMO. The list goes on and on. Mm -hmm. And that just cuts out, I would say, like a majority of things that are out there. Like it has to be scientifically based, Mm -hmm. but then it also has to be quote unquote clean. That does very few things. Mm -hmm. And then, and then we look at the clinical studies. Like we, we will 
not include ingredients that do not have human clinical studies. And I think what the crazy thing is you see products that do use clinically studied ingredients, but they don't match those ingredients to the clinically studied dose. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, this is the best, you know, probiotic strain in the world, or this Mm -hmm. is, you know, the cleanest form of melatonin or the best form of hyaluronic acid, but it doesn't match what's in the clinical studies. So and they don't have to disclose that, right? Like it's up to the consumer to figure it out. And how yeah. is it like a layman like who's just trying to take a supplement to feel better? Presumably, how are they going to figure that out? Like that is just shocking. Yeah, because I don't I don't imagine consumers. I mean, I hope I hope <laughs> we have the time again. We probably don't have the time to like soak our beans and rice. But mm-hmm. how do we have the time to then go on PubMed right. and make sure that the the vitamin that I bought on Amazon, the dose matches the clinical study yeah. that was published. Yeah, it's it like the happen. burden is on the consumer and it shouldn't be because the companies should be having the integrity, like we were saying, to have a product that supports what it says the product is. <laughs> and it sounds like that's the exception, not the rule, obviously. Yeah, and and the industry has exploded. It's gone from 4000 to 90,000 supplements in 30 years Mm. with little to no major updates in regulation. And consumers have had to become their own advocates for safety and Mm -hmm. efficacy, which is not right. Mm -hmm. While they have you. (laughs) Changing the game. I think it's amazing. Like, absolutely incredible. Yeah. And and I don't, it's not just that they have me, but we can't please every supplement that's out there. And I know that even my husband's taking supplements that are you know, that ritual doesn't make. We don't mm-hmm. make everything. Yeah. And I think that my goal and our company's goal is to kind of push advocacy, push Congress to have a bigger impact on the industry outside of our products, because mm-hmm. then that level of safety, efficacy, you know, things like health protective measures when it comes to heavy metals or a regulated term around the term clinically studied becomes more accessible and is uniform across every product that people are using and consuming because mm-hmm. even friends, family, people are not just consuming ritual products, you mm-hmm. know, and yeah. my kids, you know, sometimes yeah. I have to get something for them that we don't make. Yeah. And that's so frustrating. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I feel like we could do <laughs> hours on this. I'm like, you should have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on and just for everything that you do. Where can everybody find ritual and where can they find you? Yes, everyone can find Ritual on Ritual.com. It's pretty simple. (laughs) Huge, like, big story around getting that domain. We can talk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's like a whole podcast episode, (laughs) fighting for that when people tell you no. (laughs) And also at Ritual on Instagram. And then I believe that we're giving your listeners a really awesome offer of 30% off their first order, which is much higher than we normally (laughs) do. 30 Blonde. So excited about that. Amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you liked it, and if you like the show in general, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It goes a long way, and it's actually the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more about each episode, you can head over to the Blonde Files podcast on Instagram. You can go to ariellaurie.com. And I'm always posting about each episode over on my personal page at Ariellori. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.